0: This Torah class is brought to you by torahanytime.com. Okay. Um, Nancy, and then I'll make my, my thank you. announcements. Thank you, thank you very much. And, uh, I'm good. We're good. She's good. She's, she's, go ahead. Good evening. And a good Hanukkah, everybody. A good Hanukkah. There you go. A prayer for Hanukkah. Oh, Amen. Oh, Amen. Nothing dies. Nothing dies. The sea returns to its mother earth and the sand dollar leaves its imprint on the wet sand. Nothing dies. The time we spent together is remembered and your kiss plants a rose upon my cheek. Nothing dies. Tears fly toward God like crushed promises on the wings, but the heart still beats on. The heart still beats. Thank you. Very Okay, um, what's high? Oh, high Bergola. Where's Baragola? Oh. Okay, thank you Baragola. What a Hanukkah present coming to my, to my share. Okay, the Shabbaton, and Tzah Hashem, uh, January 7th. This time we're we'll Rabbi, Rabbi Pesach Kron is going to be there, Amir Tzai Hashem. And Lipa, and David Stein, and Abram Flam and a, a whole bunch of Shadchanim. And we hope Amir Tzai Hashem Rabmoshe Meir Weiss. So um, we're really trying to, you know, rev this up to be the best Shabbaton that we ever had. Everybody is invited. All those who are listening on Kollel and watching on Torah anytime, just call the office. I heard there's a whole group coming, maybe Mirza Hashem from Canada. We'd like to get girls to come from all over the United States, even from Eric from England, um, that we should all be together on this on this uh, major, major Shabbaton in Meirtes Hashem. The membership. Baruch Hashem I guess my speech meant something last week We got five more members Very impressive When's the Hanukkah? Tuesday, I Hashem. Tuesday. flyer Tuesday, not everyone watching has a flyer So, Oh, you did? Okay, so next week, Tuesday, Mirza Hashem Here, what time? 8 o'clock? you to read what's on it 8 o'clock, I should read what's on it, okay Tuesday night, 8 p.m. A special singing performance By Rabbi Wallerstein Whoa Special singing performance. They're all in Canada. They're all like, get on the plane. We want to see <laughs> Special singing performance by Shandle and Talis. and Talis, featuring her second album, Change, Rachel Jacob, Chani David, plus special dance performance by the Brooklyn Jewish Dance Institute. Okay, vendors will be selling jewelry, makeup, headbands, clothing. Join us for food, dance, and lockets. It's By the way, last week when I said about a dollar... Of course you could give more than a dollar. Some people took me serious. They sent me a dollar, which I appreciate. And I thank you very much because it, it works out. It does work out. But I didn't tell anyone the address. So our address is twenty two oh one East Twenty Third Street. Or at twenty two oh one East Twenty Third Street. Brooklyn, New York, one one two two nine. Or w dot ornava dot com. They'll figure it out. <laughs> o H R N A A V A dot com. If you have internet. Okay, and our phone number is seven one eight eight five three six one nine zero. Any other information? No. Nope. Okay, you. thank you very much. We hope to see you mr. Shem, everyone, next week Tuesday night. Mitzvah Shem. What else do we got? Oh, amazing! Right. Okay, so we'll, we'll talk about that. So I spoke two weeks ago about um, two weeks ago, three, two weeks ago about um, this girl who was a girl who. In Eretz Yisrael, who ended up meeting um, another girl, and they're getting married, Mitzvah Hashem. And I just talked about it on the sheer It's in the December 14th? or 13th, 14th, December 14th. So I just mentioned it on the shear. Well, guess what happened from me mentioning it on the Shir? Uh Vivit got a call from Eretz Yisrael from a seminary that uh, a whole bunch of girls, right? First, a whole bunch of girls, they want to go and and be mesameach to kala, so they're going to go to the wedding. Where is it? Then... Like, a few days later, another seminary called. Hey, we heard about this wedding on Roger Wallace and Shear. We want to go to there. We want to be Miss Ameacher. Then, another seminary called her and said, who's going to... She has no friends or anyone or family. She's said, they can in Eretz throw. Who's going to make her a Shabbos Kala? So, these are a bunch of girls... A shower, a shower, I'm sorry. So, a bunch of girls got together and they're making her a shower. And today, we got an email from England, from someone who heard my shear two weeks ago. That he's going to be in Eretz throw he wants to go to the wedding because he is a wedding photographer and he will do it for free so she deserves it of course she deserves it she absolutely she definitely deserves it well you know her very well she was on the Shabbat Malka last year sold tickets so that this girl who she didn't know should go on the Shabbaton. this girl went on the Shabbaton last year with us I met her here in Challah in Thursday night wants to go with me to our uh, uh, El-Mansur, and that is I don't know she's an angel. She's an angel, 100%, she is. So anyway, thank you, Malka, and thank you, everyone, and um, we will talk about that, Amir Hashem happens to be in my share a little bit. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about Hanukkah, and then we're going to talk about the parasha. So, just to talk a little bit about Hanukkah. So, first of all, famous question that I ask every year. What did it say on the dreidel? Since since they were playing dreidel, when the Greeks would walk into the room, so the Jewish boys would put away their gemaras, and they would play dreidel, what did it say on the dreidel? So, everyone says, Nes Gadali Hashem. But the Nes didn't happen yet, and there was no miracle. So, it couldn't say, Nes Gadali Hashem. So the B'nai Yisaka says, what did it say on the dreidel? And if you're going to tell me that the dreidel was blank, right, then what kind of game? How do you win? How do you lose? Right? So the dreidel couldn't have been blank. At the same time, couldn't say, Nes G'dal HaYasham. So, if our dreidel is in memory of their dreidel, why don't we have the letters on our dreidel that they had when they were playing for the Greeks? Why did we put Nes G'dal HaYasham on there? Shtak Akasha, we say in Yeshiva. Strong question. Same letters. Mitzvah next week. Pasha, Pasha the Yigash. When Klai Yisrael comes down to Mitzrayim. So, Yaakov Avinu said, we cannot go down to Mitzrayim and be mixed and assimilate with all the Goyim if we don't have our own yeshiva and our own bottle park, Flatbush, our own little town that we're not assimilated with the Goyim. So, he sent Yehuda ahead and Yehuda started a yeshiva in a town called Goshna. that's what it says in the Torah Gimel Shin Nun Hey the same letters as Neis Gadal Hayosham so the rabbis when they told the kids this is a very interesting point that I'm about to make so the bottom line is that they had to play they had to gamble because they had to fool the Greeks right They had to go online, on the internet. They had no choice. So they had to gamble. They had to do something that wasn't good to fool the Greeks. But, at the same time, the rabbis didn't say, just put on some random words or random letters on the dreidel. Put on the word "goshna" so that the Jewish kids remember that while they're playing dreidel, they're not part of the Greek culture. But... They have to do the same thing that the Jewish people did in Mitzrayim, and they have to remember that they're different. And therefore, while they're spinning the dreidel, while they're doing their gambling, something they're not supposed to do, but they're doing it just to save their learning, and don't just, don't just gamble. But on the, on the dreidel itself, it said Goshna to remind every child that even though you're in the, in this Greek empire, and you're playing dreidel, and you're not learning Torah at the moment, that you have to remember Goshna, that Jews don't assimilate. And just like in Mitzrayim there was a Goshna, that the yeshiva, and the yeshiva that they're sitting in, learning, and the school that they're in, and the home that they live in, that is all of our Is something we're going to speak about tonight. That's our little place to get away from all the influences of the outside world. And therefore, in the s'chus, that Kla Yisrael, remembered on their dreidel, the word Goshna, Hashem spun the dreidel, says the Bnei Sashcha, sort of. Spun the dreidel, and the letters change from Goshna, even though it's the same letters, to Neska Gadol HaYasham. That's not my Dva Torah, that is a Bnei Sascha. Bnei Sashcha says something else that's very interesting. And that's really my share tonight. The Bnei Sashcha says that the dreidel is held, the, the point that you spin, is held from above. And the grogger when you make noise on Purim, is held from below. Why? This says because Hanukkah was a nais, a nais nigla, was a miracle that we all saw. And therefore, we got to see Hashem's hands, that Hashem spins the dreidel, and that our life is in the hands of our Baruch Hu. The world, if you look at the earth, we know the earth, Spins. But there's nothing holding it up. If you look in space, there's no strings. No strings attached. But it's spinning. Like a dreidel. So who is holding this world? Who is controlling this world? So every time a person spins the dreidel, and that's why the children were playing dreidel, they could have played cards. They could have played dice. They played dreidel. So that not only did it say Goshna. But that every time the kid would spin the dreidel, he would think that a kaddish baruchu was controlling the world. Purim, Purim was a secret, was a nes was, was a secret miracle, and there we didn't see Hashem's hand. So Hashem's hand was under the earth, not on top of the earth. But this miracle, this miracle that we have Hanukkah, a baruchu was spinning. So when you spin the dreidel, you have to understand a very deep lesson, and the lesson is, and that's why, by the way. You, Dreidel, people don't realize this. You have to play dreidel on, on Hanukkah. People think, oh, dreidel, it's not important. Lying the menorah is important. Dreidel is a minna. You, 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 you don't have to gamble money, Chasmashal. You can play for chocolate and, and jelly beans. You should play with the kids. White jelly beans and black jelly beans and different colored jelly beans. But everyone is supposed to play dreidel, says the B'nai Sascha. on Hanukkah. Because when you play dreidel, when you spin the dreidel, it's supposed to remind us that a Baruch runs the world. Sometimes it lands on a winner. Sometimes it lands on half a winner. Sometimes it lands on nothing. And sometimes you got to pay. And that's the life that a person lives. And that's the dreidel, four corners, representing, it has four, spl- four places that it can fall. Representing the four corners of the earth. The dreidel is the earth and it spins. And the hand that holds it is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's hand. I was thinking to myself, why in the game of dreidel, does nun mean nothing, shin means you have to pay, shtelarayin, shtelarayin, put in. Gimel means you win, and Hey means half. So I never saw an answer for this, but I was thinking to myself, if you look at the letters, gadol. To realize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, everything he does is gedula, it's a winner. Hey, right? Hey, in my head, stands for Haya, what was. What was is half about your life. What is and what's going to be is the other half. So hey, which stands for Haya, that's only half. Don't get stuck your whole life in your past. Shum, well actually Nun, which is nace, right? Stands for nace. So really, nace is nothing. Because, really, there's no difference to Hashem between a nase and teva. It's all a nase. Don't think, you would think, what's the winner on, on, on all the four corners? What would be the winner? The word nase, miracle. Really, miracle is nothing. A miracle is not harder for Hashem than a non-miracle. To split the yam is no different for Hashem than keeping the yam together. So, really, nase is nothing special. And therefore, Nace, you don't lose, you don't win. Shin, which stands for Shum, I thought to myself, a person who thinks that it's over there, it has nothing to do with me, you know, Hashem's over there. He's, he's Shum, he's over there. But he's not here. Right? That's a person who's a loser. The problem with that shot is, what do you do with Poe? Because Poe, you also, I guess, in the dreidel of Poe, Poe is like a Shin, so, what do you do with Poe? Why do you have to pay for Poe? I don't know. Maybe because Poe means here, Hashem is not here, he's not there, he's everywhere. I don't know, maybe, maybe it's connected to the song. But the bottom line is that Dreidel has a lot of Kedusha, and there's a lot of secrets in the, in, in, in the Dreidel, and everyone should give a little spin when you get home. A little spin. You just give it a little spin, play a little bit with jelly beans, whatever it is, and while the Dreidel's spinning, understand that every time it lands on something else, that's life. But as long as you know that a Keshbach is the one that's spinning your life, it's all good the first one I'm sorry, the first, the first one. what dreidel yes. goshna gimel shin nun hey was the name of a city in Mitzrayim that Yehuda began and that's where the Jews lived the whole time they were in Mitzrayim alright that's the dreidel now I don't want to come down too hard tonight because you all gave up your Chanukah parties and your Chanukah to come here so Avivit said I should take it easy on everyone should be a nice little sheer. but a little bit I have to say so I don't know if you've ever learned Megillus Antiochus Megillus Hashmanom there's a Megillah the story we don't read it we, they used to read it in Italy well we don't read it in Shul but there's a whole story called Megillus Hashmanom you should get it you should read it it's the story of, of the Hashmanom against the Greeks now it's brought down in Kabbalah that when you when you light the menorah so we spoke about this many times it's the thirty-six hours of the of the light that was hidden, the arhaganos, and it comes into your house and it comes back into the world. And you could pray. The, the, all the great rabbis say that when the menorah is lit, you should stand in front of it and you should pray for anything that you need. And Akresh answers: You are actually a kohen. I mean, not, whoever's lighting and he's lighting it for everyone else, only the kohen was allowed to light the menorah in the Beis Hamikdash. So when we light the menorah in your house, you're actually, when the Beit HaMikdash happens, you're not going to be lighting the menorah. I'll be lighting the menorah because I'm a Kohen. You won't. Now you have a chance. Yeah, you have a chance to be a Kohen. It's huge. But the question is, and I was thinking about this tonight, so when I lit my menorah, I felt like I'm the Kohen in the Beit Hamidrash, and I closed my eyes, and I imagine lighting the menorah in the Beis HaMikdash, because that's really how you're supposed to light your menorah. Then I said to myself, but what's, what else is going on in my house? In other words, Beis HaMikdash is a place that has a menorah, and a shulchan, and a mizbeach, and the holiest part of that, of the, is the Arana Kodesh, in the Kodesh Kedoshen. And we know that after the Beis HaMikdash, it says, that after the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, Hashem was saying, I'm going to live amongst you. In the story of Miguel Echashman, what finally triggered the Maccabees to lose it and come after the Greeks? They were five sons and a father against the whole Greek empire. They didn't have a chance. But they went on a suicide attack against the Greeks. What triggered it? So in Megilot Khashmanom it says when Matiziahu the Khan God all heard. And Yochanan, Yochanan, the son of Matiz heard that the Greeks took a chazer, took a pig, and slaughtered it in the Kodesh Kedashim, in the Holy of Holies, and let the blood run in our Beis HaMikdash. They they sang and screamed a battle cry. How dare anyone defile Hashem's Beis HaMikdash? They put their swords on and they went on a crazy attack and massacred many Greeks. So I thought to myself, I got to take it easy. But the bottom line is, so many of us, not of us in this room, we're watching, but so many people have a chazir in their base on Mikdash. Yes, they're standing tonight and they're lighting the menorah, but they didn't get rid of the Khazir that's in their house, their DVDs and their movies and their magazines and their internet and all the filth and dirt that we have in our houses. Sure, we're standing by the window and we're lighting a menorah. But what's going on in the rest of our base HaMegdash? What's going on in the Kodesh Kedoshim inside our houses? Are we not doing the same thing that the Greeks did? Are we not taking things that are not kosher and bringing them into our base hamikdash. What did the Jews do when you say Al Hanisim in Shemone Esrei? Now for the next eight days, and in Bechash Hamazon, it says that it doesn't say anything about the miracle in Al Hanisim that it's supposed to last for one day and it lasted for eight days. It's not what it says. It says the Chashmanayim, they went and they fought and they won the war and then they came to the the, the and it was broken and it was dirty and it was defiled. And they came and they cleaned it up, and they got rid of all the garbage and they made it pure. And then they went to light the menorah. They didn't first light the menorah and then clean out the base hamidrash. Look what it says in Alanisim. It says, "How could they light a menorah in a tumatic place?" First they went and they cleaned out the whole base hamidrash from all the tumah of the Yavanim. and then they went and lit the menorah. So I think that when we go home tonight, we need to clean out our houses, just like the Chashmonaim, because this is what caused the whole miracle of Hanukkah. There's a famous question. And the question is very simple. Two things happened on Hanukkah. Chanukah fe, we went to war and we won, and we rested on the twenty fifth day. And the most famous story is they lit one, they had enough oil for one day, and it lasted for eight days. In Al Hanisim, doesn't say one word about the miracle of one day lasting eight days. Why not? All it talks about, Gibayrim, B'yad the weak ones, destroyed the strong ones, the Tzaddikim destroyed the Rishayim. The miracle of Hanukkah, you ask any little kid, what's the miracle of Hanukkah? You had one can, it last for one day, and it lasted for eight days. How come we don't mention that in Alanisim? How come we don't mention that in al we talk about the war. And the answer is that we are thanking Hashem for the great miracle that He did. And the miracle that He did was that a, a small group of oppressed Jews ended up destroying and turning over the whole Greek empire. We thank Hashem, and since we are saying Al Hanisim, so we're thanking Hashem. But we don't take a huge Maccabee soldier and put him with a sword and a shield in our front yard. That's a different religion. <laughs> we don't put people in our front yard. The mitzvah that we have is to light a can- light candles in our window. But if the miracle that we say in Al Hanisim is this unbelievable Maccabees, how can we don't have a Maccabee in our front lawn? How come the mitzvah is to light a candle? And the answer is, that when we talk about Hashem, that's in Tfilah, that's, by, that's Al-Hanisim. But Hashem, He wants to show off to the world what we did. Because the miracle of the can, lasting for eight days, only happened because Kal Yisrael was so into the purity that when we do a mitzvah for God that it should be pure. Because really, all the cans in the of HaMigdash that were broken open and Tomei were allowed to be used for the menorah. There's a Jewish law called Tumah, Hutra, Mitzvah. When everybody's tame, then you're allowed to use Tomei things. And since the whole Jewish nation had gone to war and everybody was Tomei, We didn't have a paraduma. We didn't have a besan migdash. So all the oil that was tamay was allowed to be used. So we didn't need a miracle. We didn't need a miracle. We could have taken any broken can of oil and used it. But the Jewish nation at that time, ladies, said, no. We are coming out of this gullus." And we're getting back on base Hamikdash, even though we're allowed to use defiled oil. That's not the right thing to give to Hashem. So they cleaned up, and they searched, and they searched, and they searched, and Hashem watched this group of Jews searching for a pure can of oil, even though halachically, they did not have to. They only searched for a pure can of oil because that's what they wanted to give to God. God said, there's only one little can of oil left. But if my Jewish nation is not willing to use unpure oil, even though they're allowed to, only because the oil that they want to give God has to be pure, then of course I'm going to make that oil burn until they have enough time to make pure oil. So we... We, the Jewish nation, caused God to make the miracle of the oil. And therefore, Hashem says, forget the Maccabee, forget the big Maccabee in the front yard. That's something I did. I want all the Goyim and all the Jews in the world to know what they did. And therefore, burn a candle, light the menorah, because Hashem wants to show off what we did for Him. Because... We wanted to do the mitzvah in purity. Therefore, Hanukkah is the time, girls, to purify your mitzvahs, to purify your heart and your soul, but to purify your base hamikdash, your room. Your room. If there are DVDs in your room, then there are Greeks in your room. If there's internet in your room that's being used to go places that you're not supposed to, then that's a hazer in, in the in the Kedoshim. I'm not gonna say Facebook because I promised someone I wasn't gonna talk about Facebook, but if I was to talk about Facebook <laughs> it's also a hazar in your base hammingdosh. We don't need to be talking to the whole world. We are private people. That's our godless. Beshamigdash was a very private place. And Yom Kippur the Kohen Gadol went in himself to the Kodesh Kedoshim. Every one of our rooms, every one of our houses is a Kodesh Kedoshim. When you light that menorah or you're sitting by that menorah, you have to think about what does the rest of the Beshamigdash look? Am I doing what the Jews didn't want to do? Am I lighting a menorah in a tamadika place? In an impure place? with TVs and DVDs and all this Greek culture in my, based on Mignosh, if you want miracles, Al-Anisim, so if we look at the Shemot of and Al-Anisim it says, first they cleaned it out, then they lit the menorah. Not they lit the menorah and then they cleaned it out. We need to go home and we need to clean out all the schmutz. So that tomorrow, when we light the menorah, we could say to Hashem, I wasn't happy lighting a menorah, knowing I had all this impurity in myself and in my house. The big Rebbe, the big Tzaddikim used to cry. I saw Rab Hershola, Mispinka, light the menorah. It was an hour and a half to light a candle. He used to cry. He used to purify himself in front of the menorah. Ner tamid, there was a ner on the menorah that was lit all the time. And every Jew, there's a ner tamid. But if we want to see miracles, if we want to see some work t- turn into, a little work, turn into great production, we want to see nisim, we want to see one turn into eight, it's the purity. And that's what ticked off the Be- vichashmanam Be- when they heard that he brought a Chazer into their base on HaMikdash. The second story that's pretty sad, brought in Megillat Hashmanam, you can buy Megillat Hashmanam in any Jewish bookstore, translated or not translated, everybody has it. Second story really hits me in the heart, because there's a situation going on today in, in the, in the from world, in the religious world. I'll tell you a story happened to me last week, so there's a girl that I know, that she was caught by her parents texting on Shabbos. They looked at the bill, and they saw that she was texting on Shabbos. So they asked her to come speak to me. So she did. I told her, having a Shabbaton cost a certain amount of money. If you, come, if you promise me that you will come to the Shabbaton, and you will keep Shabbos from the beginning to the end, and you won't text, I'll give it to you for free. I thought for sure she would jump on it. She said, Rabbi Wallerstein, I'm sorry. I can't promise that to you. So what are you talking about? She says, it's, a, it's, it's crazy. It's more than a habit. It's an addiction. I, I need to text on Chavez. I need to be connected. It's definitely an addiction. I was talking to my friends about it. I don't have a phone on Chavez. But sometimes you feel in your in your pocket it's vibrating. But you don't have a phone, right? It's called phantom phone vibrations. <laughs> and you're reaching into your pocket because you think your phone is and it's Shabbos, you don't even have a phone. That's how sick we became. You think you have a phone, you don't even have a phone. You're reaching for it on Shabbos. You feel like something's buzzing and you're getting nervous. Oh my goodness, I put my phone in my pocket. And then you put your hand in there and there's nothing there. So this girl said to me, No can do. I said, but how about a hundred bucks? She said, it's, it's not about that. Well, i say, anyway, what are you gaining? I'm gonna, next Chavez, I'm going to do it again anyway. I said, you can't give up texting? I mean, I know guys that smoke two packs of cigarettes a day. They don't smoke on Chavez. If they can give up smoking on Chavez, you can't give up texting on Chavez? She says, no. I said, by the way, I got to ask you something really funny. Who are you texting? <laughs> You ready? My whole class texts on Chavez. I said, What? She said, That's right. We all text on Chavez. I said, You all, Michalel Chavez? don't really look at it that way. I'm like, what do you mean you don't look at it that way? It's Chil Shabbos. I know. No, Welcome to the United States. This has nothing to do with the United States. So I said to myself, oh my goodness, her whole class is, I'm talking, I'm talking a 10th grade. I'm not talking little kids. I said, your whole class? She goes, yeah, some of us know our parents, you know, watch our phones. So we specifically, we have two phones, the other phone, I guess they have this little card that they use, whatever it is. So my parents always think that we're so good because they're watching the phone and think we don't know. They're watching the phone that we have and they're checking all the messages and everything. Meanwhile, that I only use during the week. But the one I use on Shabbos, that's the one that I, that I have the little card. They have no idea. Shabbos, uh, Shabbos phone, yeah. <laughs> so, of course, this bothered me very much and I want to talk about it because I think a lot of people don't realize what's going on. And it hurts me because I know how, how Hashem Feels about Shabbos He gave us this beautiful present And, and, and he's, in, he's, he's, he's in competition With the technology that he gave the human being To be able to speak on a phone Now we're using it to hurt Hashem It's his most precious It says he went into his treasure chest And he took his most precious thing And he gave us his most precious prize And that was Shabbos And now all these kids All these Jewish kids are having Who have a good life These aren't even, these aren't even kids that They're off the derach These are kids that we're, we're the sneers and go to regular school and everything looks great I said like how could you do this to Hashem how could you do this to Hashem this is His present Shabbos is His present how dare you do this to Hashem so when I was preparing the Sheer and I was looking at Megillot's Antiochus again Megillot's Chashvanam it hurt me even more because there's a story in Miguel Chashvanam so after the Chashvanam went and, and went after them because they killed the pig and spilled the blood the Beis Migdash, Things quieted down. They quieted down. The Chashmonim went back into hiding. When did they finally come out and just totally lose it? And 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 just totally lose it. So the Megillah Chashmonim brings down a story where the, the, one of the things that they didn't allow was Shabbos. Three things. Shabbos. Actually, four things. But Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, and Brit All three things we have on Hanukkah. Every Chanukah has a Shabbos, every Chanukah has Rosh Chodesh Teves, and the eight days represent the bris milah, and pretty much it's always a bris milah, in fact, uh, I'm invited to one this week, so there's pretty much a bris milah every, every Chanukah, so Chanukah is set up to revenge, what the Yavonim, automatically there's a Shabbos, because it's eight days, automatically there's a Rosh because it starts on the 25th and it's eight days, and usually there's a bris milah. Those were the three things that they went after. So he brings down, many women jumped off the buildings with their babies, gave them a brisk meal and then jumped. And Shabbos, they bring down a very sad story. That on Shabbos, a thousand men, women and children went into a cave to run away from the Greeks. And somehow the Greeks found out from a spy or a tattletale or whatever that all these thousand Jews were in a cave. So they came to the cave and they said to the Jews, come out of the cave party with us, break your Shabbos, and we'll let you live. And all thousand in this cave said, no. And they went ahead, and they took trees, and they blocked up the the mouth of the cave, and they lit it on fire. And the smoke went into the cave. And slowly, all thousand Jews, children, women, and, and men, choked to death, a terrible, terrible death, because there was suffocation where they couldn't breathe slowly but slowly. Because the fire, of course, drags out all the oxygen. And within a certain amount of minutes, all thousand in each other's arms, women, children, husbands, were all dead. And the Khashmanom found them like that. And the Khashmanom said, That's it. That's it. And that's when they went against them and totally massacred, they killed. They killed Bagris. They, in fact, they burnt Bagris, who was the big enemy by Greece. Came from Greece. That's where the Ivanim were, and they burnt him because he burnt the Jews, and they totally lost it. And I said to myself, "Here's a girl. I'm offering her a shabbaton for free, and she has to be Machal shabbos." And on the miracle of Hanukkah, the nace of Hanukkah, the whole thing of Hanukkah, one of the major stories in Megillah Chashmonim, were a thousand Jews that suffocated slowly. Families died slowly. In order to keep Shabbos. How this must hurt God. To see his daughters and his children being Michal Shabbos. For what? Not that I understand people in Michal Shabbos for money. But okay, they were working, they got fired. For what? To send a message to your friend? Who gave you the eyes to be able to read that message? Who gave you the fingers to be able to text that message? Who gave you the brains to put those words into a sentence? How Baruch did How dare you use all that On Shabbos to be Machal Shabbos So those girls know who they are I don't And if they're listening tonight to my share I think on Hanukkah would be the time To show Hashem That we made a mistake And that we want the oil in menorah to be pure And we want our souls to be pure And to take on themselves never again to use their phones on Shabbos. That's number one. And number two, all of us, when we go to light that menorah tomorrow, to be able to say, Hashem, I went through the heichal, I went through my base HaMikdosh, and I cleaned it up. And now I'm ready for miracles. Now I'm ready to light the menorah. That's my Musa. Um I want it to go light. I'm being pretty light. I'm not yelling. I'm not screaming. I'm not the regular Rabbi Wallerstein jumping up and down, I'm being nice, but the message that I'm giving is not so nice. And HaMavenyav and whoever's listening understands what they need to clean up in their base HaMegdash. Okay, now to the other half. So, this week's Parsha. So, I, I wanted to talk about talking about spinning the dreidel, so I told a story at the Agudah Convention, that I would like to repeat here. I didn't say it here because I heard, first heard it on Thursday morning. I would like to repeat it here and I'd like you to see two little stories. I'd like you to see the hand of our Baruch Hu and how Hashem spins the dreidel. And sometimes, again, sometimes it falls Gimel, sometimes it falls Nun, different times in life, but it's all the hand of our Baruch Hu. Just got to stay in the game. So, there's a girl who came to me when I started my school three years ago I started my high school and I only was allowed by the Jewish board to take in 15 girls I had 30 applications so when I first opened my school I had to pick and choose who I'm going to take into my school so girls were smart they got dressed theists, they came to the interviews, they made believe everything was great they want to get into the school One girl shows up to the interview. I'm sitting there. My principal, Rabbi Max, is next to me. And she shows up to the interview, totally drugged out of her brains. Totally. She couldn't keep her head up. And she sits down in front of me. And I'm like, what is going on with you? She says, well, Rabbi, I just came from a three-day festival in the mountains. Three-day festival? What was it called? Jewstock. It's the Jewish Woodstock. <laughs> For those in this room who are looking at me, they don't know what I'm talking about. Many years ago, there was a place called Woodstock where a bunch of hippies got together. Everybody was blitzed out of their mind. A bunch of bands were playing. So someone decided, the Yetzirah decided, he's going to create something called stock. I said, what did you do those three days? I was in a tent. We drank. We smoked pot. I said, you smoke pot for three days? She goes, yup. I'm like, what's your name? She goes, I think, I'm going to change the name, of course. I think Miriam. I'm like, you think? (laughs) So I turned to her by Max, and I went like, no way. I mean, I can't take this kid into my school. Forget about it. But the parents came, tall guy with a long beard, payas, his wife, her hair covered, nice people, And I don't want to just show them that, you know, interview over in 20 seconds. This kid's head was already sleeping. She was already on the desk. She was out. So I turned to the parents. I just wanted to make conversation. And I said, well, tell me about your other children. (laughs) And they look at me and they say, oh, Rabbi Wallerstein, she's our basi We don't have any other children. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, this is their whole future. If she doesn't make it, they don't make it. So I'm like, Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, Mazel your daughter is in my school. <laughs> well, Max is like, you just said no, now you're saying yes, meeting. So we step outside, and I'm like, listen, they got one daughter. If she don't make it, there's nothing left. They're older people, they're not having any more children. We have to make sure that she makes it. I have learned a lot since then. That was a wrong call. That was a huge mistake. Because even if you have 10 siblings, thank you, Mark. Even if you have 10 other children, that one child is your future. So today, it doesn't matter to me if it's an only child or if there's 5 other children... We just make the school bigger. You know, they tell us 20. I go back and say, I need 25. And 25, I need 30. And they're used to me already. So it was a big mistake. I should have taken her, even if she had siblings. But at that point, I just, one child, only child. I remember reading something about the army. If you only have an only child, they don't make them go into the army because it's the person's whole future. In the Jewish army, they don't take an only child. So I said, she's in. Okay, clean yourself up that was the end of August, come back in October when we start school. So we start school and it's a tough time. She's, every single night, she is the Rosh Hashiva of partying. (laughs) She knew every place there's a party, drugs, drinking, raving. She was a rave queen. This place where you go and you just, you, you do drugs and you bounce off the walls and you scream at the top of your lungs. I'm a sugar in a house that you have to pay to get into. A crazy house. Today, Ladies, from our door, you understand? You have to pay to yell and scream and bang your head against the wall. By us, we did it for free. Now they have to pay for it. I don't understand. But anyway, so she was also... Re- she was- so we went through the first year, and every single night this girl was out. Every Friday night, every in Shabbos. It was totally out of hand, but slowly, but surely. Rach Hashem, with a lot of say, she got better, and better, and better, and better. And last year, towards the end of the year, she came up to me. She said, Rewalstein, I'd like to go to seminary. She was already clean for like three, four months. She wasn't drinking. She wasn't binging. She wasn't, she wasn't doing what she wasn't supposed to do. She was doing good. I said, okay, we'll get you into seminary. Baruch Hashem, we got her into Tlas, a wonderful seminary, Shari Bina, ran, run by Reviton Weingott, an angel from Hashem. She's a, her, her and her husband, Al Tamida of Rabbi Freifeld, so it's a little bit, the school's a little hippie-ish, you know, flowered skirts, and there's flowers when you walk in, and beads, and some guitars, but La it's is therapeutic, they're amazing, it's, and it's like on the top of Tzvash, overlooking the mountains, it's, it's just an amazing school. So I sent her with four other girls to that school, and I went to visit them, actually, when I was an they school, and they're doing, they're doing very well, but she's still, we'll call her Miriam, It's still the, the, you know, she's the, she's, she's the party. Okay. I went to the Greta Convention to speak on, on, on Sunday. I got this phone call on Thursday. Last week, Thursday. Less than a week ago. Now I got a bunch of other girls from my school who are going to a seminary in Yerushalayim, a regular seminary that many of the girls in this room go to. Regular seminary. So some are up there in Shari Bina, Some of them in this regular seminary. Some are in my seminary here. Baruch Hashem, 12 girls graduated. 12 girls are in seminary. These were girls that the whole world said can't even make it into high school. You can't give up on a Jewish soul, ever. Okay. So, the girls in the regular seminary in Yerushalayim, they got rules. Got to be in a certain time. You can't go here. You can't go there. They're, my, you know, they're from my high school. It's not so easy for them to have rules. They lived their life without rules. They lived on the street. They lived without rules. Now, all of a sudden, they have rules. So, it's not so easy. Two weeks ago, that seminary in Yerushalayim goes on a Shabbaton Tzfas. So my girls from that seminary in Yushalayim call the girls from Tzfas and they're like, hey, Mutzay Shabbos, we're going to ditch our seminary and we're going to go party with you guys. What's going on in Tzfas? Like, where do you party? So Miriam, queen of party, says, happens to be that this Mutzay Shabbos, I'm throwing a crazy mad party in Sharibina. At 11.30, just, you, we'll open the door, you'll sneak in, crazy party. So the girls from the Yerushalayim, from my school, the Yerushalayim school are say, yeah, Miriam, if it's a party that Miriam's throwing, it's a party. So, 11.30, they come to Bina. doors open, they come walking in, where's Miriam? The girl says, party in the dining room. So, they're all excited, party, what does that mean? It's going to be good. They come in, it's a true story. They come into the dining room and on the table, cookies, some fruit, vegetables, some chocolate, some soda. So my girls from Liam say to the girls from fast, what is this? Where's the party? Miriam, Miriam's standing there in her long flowered skirt. <laughs> Miriam, where's the party? She goes, here. Where's the stuff? She goes, here, where, you got a bunch of cookies on the table. She goes, oh, I forgot to tell you, it's a bracha's party. They said, what, what are you on? She said, nothing, it's not raining in Israel. There's a bunch of girls that are sick. We know three girls that need a shidduch. We know someone who doesn't have children in Sfas. We decided to get together and make a brachas party. Now this is how it works. You say the name and then we make a brachas. And everyone says amen. These girls are like, no way. <laughs> so they called us up Thursday and said, Ever Wallerstein, Mrs. Shifrin, you're not going to believe it. Miriam threw a brachas party. <laughs> Now, had I not asked that question. How many children do you have? What are they doing? She would have never been in my school. That question came out of my mouth. I never asked anyone else how many children. I just wanted to make conversation. Now I'll tell you something crazier. Because the dreidel fell that day on a shin on the worst place, Shtelarein, the worst place it could fall, I was not going to take her, and therefore it was not going to be a long interview, and therefore I had to ask that question. Had she came in, just looking back now, looking back, had she came in clean, looking like a Bessiakov girl, whatever it is, or whatever she would have looked like, but not on drugs, then she would have been one of the 30 And I would have just judged upon her marks and upon her attitude and upon a lot of other things because she was so drugged out from three days and she couldn't keep her head up and I wanted to do a short interview because there was no way I was going to take her. I asked that question because I asked that question. She ended up in my school because she ended up in my school. She ended up in Sfas because she ended up in Sfas. She's sitting up there in Sfas davening that Klyosol should have rain. So we never know where the dreidel lands but we know the hand that holds the dreidel. And is controlling the dreidel, which brings me to another story. And then I'll connect it to Yisroel Sadik and we'll let you go back to your dreidel and your latkes. Anyone who wants magic latkes, I have some. Whoever wants after the shir, actually they're not magic latkes; they're magic donuts, right? Sivganiot, you call them. You eat them one day, and they burn for eight. <laughs> Rabbi joke. Rabbi joke. You're too serious. Okay, let me tell you another story. I'll tell you two more short stories. I just want to keep it that we don't really we don't need to know who they are. Okay, listen to this crazy story. Last last winter, I decided to go to Florida with my wife. I'm missing my Wednesday night cheer. I'm missing my Tuesday night cheer. My Rabbi Rab Gamliel said Shalom Bias, you're burning the wick at both ends, you need to go to Florida. I'm like, don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> i made up, I'm going with my wife for four days, no phones, I'm not, I mean, not selling me to talk anywhere for Ornava, I'm not talking in any schools, I'm not meeting any kids, four days, me and my wife, nobody, no interruptions, I'm not calling the office, nothing. Yeshiv Yaakov, right? You wanted to be quiet. The first day that I'm in Florida, I, Monday, first day, my phone rings. I look at it, of course I have to have my phone because I'm, I'm, I still have business and I, once I gotta talk to my kids. And it's an area code I don't, I never saw before. 216, if I remember correctly. 216, what's that? I don't know what that is. I said, Esty, it's 216, I don't know who this is. It's Cleveland. I'm going to I'm gonna pick it up. So I pick it up. Hi, Rabbi Wallerstein. I'm like, oh, God. She said, Rabbi Wallerstein, that means it has something to do with kids. And I said I wasn't doing this in Florida. But I picked it up already. Hi, Rabbi Wallerstein. I need your help. I'm like, looking at my wife, I'm like, uh-oh. Because I promised her four days. I said, okay, what's going on? She says, I'm from Cleveland. My daughter's from Cleveland. To make a long story short. She ran away. She's in Florida somewhere. We don't know where she is, but we know one thing for sure. She's in Miami. And that's where I am. And she says, it's very, very bad. We know where she stayed last. She has no money. She has no food. She has no clothing. And she's on the streets of Miami. Um, I know that you can't do anything, you know, from New York but maybe you know someone who's in Miami. <laughs> I'm like, you're not going to believe it. I am talking to you from Miami. <gasps> it's my shirt! It's from Shamayim! You have to do something. Okay, she gave me a cell number of a person that might, know her cell number, anyway, I got her cell number. I called this girl. She is so nasty. She doesn't want to talk to me. Um, I tell her I have a school, she says I'm not interested I tell her they're nice girls, she says I don't like nice girls what, whatever I said, it was like, impossible I said, you know what, listen, what are you being such an option, being so stubborn what do you have to lose, I'm on vacation, I'm not supposed to be talking to anybody I'm talking to you, so you know what, the least you can do is talk to me let's talk to me for half an hour, what are you, scared of me? no, I'm not scared of anybody, I'm like, good, so then you're not scared of me I'm not scared of you, so let's talk Maybe when I finish talking to you, I will be scared of you. But right now, I'm not scared of you. So she comes to meet me. Can you imagine? I'm telling my wife. I said, Esty, I am not going to leave this? I'm meeting a girl. She said, today, still, you know, here on vacation, where I said, I'm not even going to talk to a girl. Now, there's a girl coming to meet me. You understand? I end up talking to her for about an hour. She's very not interested, but we're talking, we're talking. I talked her into that if we get her a plane ticket, would she come and look at the school? Just look at the school and look at the girls and then make a decision no 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 finally yes she comes to, to New York she comes to the school she happens to have walked in on the right day they, have, they had karate and kickboxing and guitar and art and all the things she's a very brilliant girl and she's an unbelievable artist and a crazy singer not that I ever heard her voice but everyone tells me she's a crazy singer and that was the stuff that was going on there and she really liked what she saw so back and forth back and forth to make a long story short she gave in and decided to come to school this September and she came to school she don't talk to nobody, she doesn't talk to a teacher, a principal, me, any kids in the school, she is ice, she wears a hoodie, she wears black gloves, she's dressed from top to bottom with black, and you'd think that someone passed away, she doesn't look at anyone, so she's sort of in school, but not in school. Anyway, slowly but surely, she begins to come a little bit out of her shell, because it's really such a good place, and such a nice place that you just can't be like that. But not a lot. She's not talking much. I gave a whole schmooze about Hashem and Hashem and Hashem to my high school. I saw that it wasn't working. They weren't, they were not connecting. I said, you know what? We're going on a trip. Without drugs, without anything else, we're going on a trip. We're doing Bear Mountains. I'm 53 years old. I don't know if I'm going to have a heart attack on the way up, but I felt that we got to give this a shot. We got to give this a try. So, We begin to climb your mountains. Of course, every 10 minutes, I can't breathe. They're in good shape. These kids, I can't breathe, but they don't realize it unless they're watching this tape. I have this old trick that I've been doing the last five years since I can't breathe going up the mountain. I stop every 20 minutes, and I make believe that I'm a Boy Scout, and I'm like, oh, poison ivy. Come here, everybody. (laughs) And I stop, and I show them the leaves and how shiny it is, and they're like amazed. I've he's like everything. He knows everything. It's like amazing. (laughs) And then another 20 feet, I go up, and I'm like, oh, look at these tracks deer tracks, snake tracks. I make up all these stories and it works. <laughs> it's amazing. And every 20 minutes, for some reason, no one picked up on it. Every 20 minutes, I seem to find something that I have to explain. <laughs> it works. I show them an acorn. That you can use it for a whistle. And then I, I remember this year, I, there was a rock. And I said, oh, now a rock. <laughs> and they're looking at me. I'm like, no, you have to know something. You see, the rock is sticking out. If you're able to sit under the rock, so if you're in the forest and you're lost, the first thing you need to know is always find shelter. Now, shelter means protected from a, as many places as you can. If you're just going to camp in the middle of sit there, so then the animals can hit you from all four sides, right? But if you sit under a rock, right... So the back of you is protected, the sides of you protected, and all you need to do is look for... By the way, this, is, this happens to be Boy Scout. All you need to do is, is... So that's what you have to Look for shelter. And they're, they're like... This is just like an amazement. No one figured out that he does this every 20 minutes, and when he does this, he's breathing and sweating profusely. <laughs> right? Anyway, that's my secret. I can tell it to you, because I don't know if I'm going up that mountain next year. I'm will be in good shape. I won't have to do it. Stop every 20 minutes. Anyway, so... We get three quarters up the mountain. It's an amazing mountain. I don't climb the trail. I go totally off trail, and there's a cliff, and there's a, and there's a water. There's a amazing. It, it's just it's just very 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 beautiful. There's a the waterfalls, and I know all these places, and and they're just they're just having the best time. We're about three quarters up the mountain, and when you turn around, you look down, you see five hundred miles of woods, of mountains, of the Hudson River. It's gorgeous, and we climbed. Just as all the leaves were changing colors. So it was like, not normal. This girl that came from Miami happened to have been climbing the mountain right next to me the whole way up. Smart. You know what I mean? If a bear shows up, you know, run. (laughs) Feed Rabbi Wallstein to the bear. You know that, right? (laughs) Famous Boy Scout advice. When you go with your friend, the story where these two friends are walking in the woods. And one of them was wearing sneakers. And the other one was wearing boots, because when you climb mountains, you're supposed to wear boots. So the guy who's was wearing boots asked the guy who was wearing sneakers a little Hanukkah joke. Why are you wearing sneakers? He said, because of the beers. He said, don't you, don't you know anything about beers? Just because you have sneakers, there's no way that you can outrun a beer. He goes, I know, but with sneakers, I can outrun you. So this girl has the same thought. Be next to her. i if a beer shows up. He'll eat him and I'll get out of here. <laughs> so, but you have to hear this amazing. So we're standing there just looking at this mountain and I can see that she's very much, she internalizes everything. She's a brilliant girl. And I see that she's just internalizing everything that she sees. And then all of a sudden I hear out of her mouth, Ma Rabu Masecha Hashem. This was a girl who was so angry, who was so anti- Who was so disconnected, just stood next to me and said, Ma Rabu Masech Hashem, how great are the creations of God? Mm -hmm. I said, What did you just say? She goes, Nothing. (laughs) I'm like, I heard you. Since that trip, this kid is a different kid. She got up on the Shabbaton that we have for the high school, she spoke, she's involved, she's the head of choir. Head of choir, a girl who didn't talk to anyone. She's flying. Now, what was the percentage that the day that this woman called me, her kid was in Florida for months. That the day that she called me about her daughter, I was in Miami. Had I been in New York, I would have told her I have I can't I don't know where she is. I I can't find her. And I, I I'm not flying to Miami to speak to her. Kush who spun the dreidel. She ran away. She ended up in Miami. Rabbi Gamliel told Rabbi Wallstein, "You got to go away with your wife." Rabbi Wallerstein said, "I'm going away. I don't have nothing to do with anybody." So why? Why? Because Kush who wanted to show me. You think that you have anything to do with anybody? You never have anything to do with anybody, unless I want you to have something to do with somebody. So when you go to Florida, you make a statement. I'm going. I'm not doing chinuch, I'm not doing kiruv. Hashem's like, you're never doing chinuch or kiruv if I don't want you to. And if I want you to, you could be on vacation in Alaska, on a boat. And there'll be some kid on the boat that'll need you. The hand holds the dreidel. And that's what we all need to know our whole lives. Good, bad, in between, hey, gimel, nun, shin, doesn't make a difference. It's all done by Ha Baruch Hu. everything just like that girl with Judy Bodner with the skirt the same story she went to Judy Bodner the skirt was in the closet HaP have been the same skirt she had to go there for Shabbos Judy Bodner could have given her a different skirt if she would have given her a different skirt it wouldn't have rang the bells that Hashem gave her back her skirt everything you don't always get to see it but everything HaKodesh Baruch Hu does it's all the hand on the dreidel this week's parsha, and we'll end with this parasha is about Yeshev Last week's positive was about Yeshef. So Yeshef, Yeshef was making a big mistake his whole life. Yeshef thought that he was running the show. So he told his brothers his dreams. You're going to end up bowing down to me, all of you. They threw him into a bar. You think you control your destiny? You so don't control your destiny that you could be going to visit your brothers on an innocent visit and end up in Mitzrayim. You thought you are going to Shechem to visit your brothers. But I control the dreidel, said Hashem. Not you. And the dreidel spun. And where did he end up? He ended up in Mitzrayim. But he still thought he ran things. So if you look, when he talks about my Esher's Potiphar, he says, I run the house. I control the house. The master gave me everything to do. The master could be Hashem. Gave me. I control my destiny. You control your destiny. You run the house. You're the number one man. Guess what? Dreidel spins. Where do you end up? in prison. Now, did you learn your lesson, Yosef? No. You think you still control your life. So you tell the Sahamashkim, when you get out, do me a favor, when you get out, tell Paro. Hashem says, really? I made him forget you. You don't run anything. Very interesting. In this week's parasha, Miketz, it says that they, when, when, when the Sahamashkim told Paro that this boy, eh, right? Says they took him from the bar. They took him out of the bar. Yeah, I'll tell you the exact words. The exact words. Where he takes him out. He uses the word, uh, I'm not finding it right now, but he uses, he uses the word bar. He says it's one chalom. But really, the Torah all the time. Ta- oh, here it is. He took him out of the bar, but he wasn't in a bar, girls. He was in a sohar. The whole parsha last week talks about Yosef was thrown into the beiseihar, there was a saramashkim in the Base Beiseihar means jail. He was in jail, he wasn't in a bar, he wasn't in a pit. What is it talking about over here that they took him out of a pit? They didn't take him out of a pit, they took him out of jail! So why does the title all of a sudden change from Shaya to Bar? Beautiful, beautiful answer. What happens after they take him out of the pit? Paolo says, I had this dream and I saw, how did Yosef know that it was a, a Navu and not a dream? Because Powell said, I saw, I saw seven skinny cows that were so disgusting and so skinny, I never saw anything like that in my life. Yosef said, if you never saw it, then it can't be a dream because the Gemara and Bracha says you can only dream something that you saw. If you never saw snow, you can't dream snow. So when he said, I never saw such cows, Joseph said, well, if you never saw it, it's not a dream, it's an avuah. And then he translated. But you'll see in the parasha that the whole time he's translating, he tells Paro, I don't know nothing, I don't know nothing, the translation is from Hashem, the translation is from Hashem, everything's from Hashem, everything's from Hashem, continuously, the opposite of his whole life where he didn't mention Hashem, now all of a sudden he's mentioning Hashem the whole time. What does Paro say in the end? I never met a man that has the Ruach Elohim like you. You talk about Hashem? And that it comes from Hashem, all of a sudden he became, from a guy coming out of the bar, he became king, second to the king. It says Khazal, Chazal, what does it mean he took him out of the bar? This is very big in the psychology world. Until he came out, and he came out on Rosh Hashanah, and it said that he took a haircut and a shave, they changed his clothing, we learned from that that on Rosh Hashanah he was allowed to take a haircut because he was going in front of a king. We learned a whole halacha from that. That was our Rosh Hashanah. When he finally realized, after two years, that the Shah Mashim wasn't helping him, that you don't spin the dreidel. That a Kurdish Baruch who spins the dreidel, says the Torah, that until now, he was in the bar. The bar that they threw him in. He was in the same psychological place that they threw him in, into the bar. He was a slave, and he thought that it was, that, that it was, he could control his destiny when he came out at this point, he realized that nobody helped him, that the Saram Hashem didn't help him, he came out of that psychological place, he came out of the bar, and once he came out of the bar, that he was thrown into psychologically, all he did was talk about Hashem, and the final, the final Pasuk, and this is how we're going to end our Torah tonight, the final Pasuk in is Vayechi, we're going to soon Lane. Vayichi is the end of the book of Bereshis, girls. Okay, we know that the last Pesach summarizes the whole book. I would hope that the end of Vayichi would be a nice, happy ending. The end of Bereshis, but it's so not. It says, "Vayyamas Yosef ben Mea v'Eser Shanim. Yosef died 110 years old. Vayichantu Oso, they mummified him. Vayisim ba'oram b'mitzrayim. And they put him in a coffin in Mitzrayim. And everybody in Shul screams out, Chazak, Chazak, Khazai, be strong. Why would the Torah end the book of creation on such a bad note? By Yechantu, also, the last three words in Yisem, B'mitzrayim. They put him in a coffin in Mitzrayim. End of the book of Bereshit. Nancy, why would they end such a book like this? Such a sad ending, right? Doesn't make any sense. A few psukim before that, the brothers came to Yosef, and they said, our father died, now take revenge. We will be your servants. We sold you as a servant. We know, they knew a kalvachoma, that for sure, Yosef would not take revenge for him being sold while Yaakov was alive, because he made a kalvachoma like this. Surely, Esav, who was a Russia." didn't kill Yaakov while Yitzhak was alive because he didn't want to hurt his father. Surely Yosef, who was a Tzaddik, wouldn't kill his brothers while his father was alive. But Yaakov died. And right after Yaakov died, the brothers came. This is, this is, this is the end of Bereshit. The brothers came to Yosef, and they said, and they said, Then We will be your servants. We're going to pay you back for what we did to you. But he learned. He was out of his bar, girls. He was out of his pit. He was out of the pit of blaming everyone for everything that you go through and not realizing that it's the dreidel, that it's Hashem's hand, that it's not other people's faults. So he said to them, you thought you were doing something bad to me. But the But while you thought you were selling me and hurting me, Hashem had a good plan. He did it all so that I would become king of Mitzrayim and I would be able to save the world. The Alta altiro, don't worry. I will feed you, with and your children. Here comes the big word. And he comforted them. He didn't just say, it's okay, don't worry about it. And he spoke to their hearts. And he said, guys, you thought you were spinning the dreidel. You thought you were getting revenge by selling me? No, I'm out of my bar. I'm out of the hole. I understand. When you come out of the hole, you see the light. In the hole is just darkness. You don't know what anything is about. When you come out of the hole, you see the light. You see who's running the world. He said, I'm out of the bar. I know you sold me. You probably had the wrong thoughts. But Hashem sent me to Miami. It was Hashem's plan. And therefore, I ended up in Mitzrayim in order to save the world. Don't worry about it. Just go on with your lives. And I'll take care of you. But the word that the Torah uses is a very funny word. By Osam, he comforted them. Like a Nechem And that ties into what I said at the Aguda Convention. And that ties into what I said last week. By Yaakov Yaakov refused to be comforted. Because he knew his kid was alive. And he knew where there's life, there's hope, and he didn't give up. His not giving up kept Yosef alive, not doing the sin. Yosef being alive ended up being mechalk of his brothers, supporting his brothers. And in the end, the low menachem, the not accepting comfort, turned into vayenachem oisam. The same word that Yosef was able to be menachem, his brothers. So the answer to my question about how the Torah ends was a very big question today in our Yitzchak where we lost not Stam, a good boy but probably the best boy in our Yitzchak and nobody understands and it's a very very hard blow on our yeshiva 25 year old boy he was standing at a red light two nights ago in his car he did nothing wrong he was doing nothing wrong and a drunk driver, barreling down Ocean Avenue at 90 miles an hour, lost control and ended up killing him. And we just don't understand. Why did Hashem take this boy away? He's the best. Every girl wanted to go out with him. He was in the middle of Shiduchim. He, he was, he was the, the pillar of Yitzchak. So last night in my shir, I said, I think I know the answer. The last posik in Vayechi, Vayechi means life. The last posik in Beresha says, he died, and the last words, and they buried him. And it sounds like the worst posik that could ever be written. But if we look into the posik deep, we know... That when Klai Yisrael was stuck in the worst part of their, of their life, they were stuck between the Yamsuf in front of them and the Mitreum behind them. And they said to Moshe Rabbeinu, we're all going to be massacred. Hayom Ra Vayanos. The ocean saw something and it split. Ma Hayom Vayanos. What did the ocean see that it split? <coughs> Atmos Yosef. The bones of Yosef. Because the, the Yam said, I'm Teva, I'm nature, and I will not break my nature for anything. But Hashem said, the Jews are carrying a person who is not nature. Yosef went against his nature when it came to Potiphar's wife. Vayonas hachutza, it says. He ran away from her. It says Rashi, Vayonas hachutza, because he ran away from her in that's chus the yam will split. So the best Pesach that could ever be written at the end of Bereshit, when Kleistro was going into, into Gullus, into the Abdus of Mitzrayim, the Pesach tells us, that's right, they're going into the worst Gullus, but buried deep in the Nile is the nuclear bomb It's going to destroy the Egyptians and save the Jews. And that, that, Labriot, that, that means what I'm saying is true. That <laughs> nuclear bomb with the Atz Mois safe. <laughs> says the Pasuk by Yisem Bo'aron B'Mitrayim, Yisrael, they put him in an Aron in Mitrayim. They didn't take him to Israel. Had he been buried in Israel, the Jews would have been massacred by the Yamsa. But because he was put in Mitraim, they were saved. So it looks like the dreidel fell on a terrible place. But really, The death of Yosef and the burial of Yosef in Mitzrayim brought us the Yeshua of getting out of Mitzrayim. So I told my boys last night, this boy was a tzaddik. Belimum. Pure. Hanukkah, Pure oil. Why did Hashem take him? Maybe he needs to be in the other world and he's the nuclear bomb that this had to happen so that he would be in the other world talking to our Kodesh Baruch because he knows what the kids of this generation are going through he's part of them and he could tell Hashem exactly what's going on in this world in Brooklyn, in Flatbush in the whole world, in the generation and therefore even though it looks very sad to us as long as we know that the hand that spins the dreidel is Hashem's It'll all give us chazak, chazak v'nis chazak. So I asked this girl when she applied to my school, what do you want to do in life? What do you want to be? And she was drugged up, and she looked at me, and she said, I want to be a DJ in a nightclub. So Miriam, after your bracha's party, tell me, what do you want to be? Know what Miriam said? Rabbi! I want to be a mad Rebbitson. And she will be. Hanukkah semech. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.